got to minister together at a Capture the Flag event with Walco Net. And I got to ask to speak at the last minute at this event because of circumstances beyond our control. And that was a fun getting to know him situation. We got to know that April actually knows one of my friends from her time teaching in Chicago. This world is smaller than we think. So small, in fact, that after I got to know them, they said, guess what? We're going to Africa. Wow. Wow. The call of God on their lives. They felt it one day at a missionary conference, stood up and said, we're following. We're going to take on this transition. We're going to go where God has called us to. And they got up. And they've gone. That's okay. There's lots of other wonderful people I've met. Maybe you know this gentleman, Jeff Hendricks. He's a good guy that I got to know. That was fun. We got to meet because he would help us with sound equipment things over at Conference Point and property things and ministry things. And what we found out is we had a, actually had a bond because we both loved to worship. And we both play acoustic guitar. Jeff's watching this. Jeff, you play just fine. He's a little critical on himself. You do just fine. I love that guy. And he said, come on, worship with me. Come on, come to SATCOM and play some guitar with me. And I got to do that. That was fun. And after a week of doing that, Jeff came and said, guess what? I'm leaving. <laughs> wow. Okay. Going to northern Wisconsin because people like to do that, I guess. I'm going to lead worship up there, and I'm going to be a family pastor. Wow, that's a great, that's a great calling. And that's okay, because I got to meet Pastor Mark. <laughs> and in my time with worshiping with uh, SATCOM, I got transitioned, got to do some Sunday stuff, and, and that was fun. And he said, you know, you might have the spark to do some leading at SATCOM. Maybe you were brought in just at the right time, as Jeff is transitioning out, that you could help lead and support and do some things with SATCOM. How would you like that? Sounds great. And in the first month that I left, he calls a meeting. He says, I'm out of here. <laughs> At least I have Pastor Doug. <laughs> and Pastor Doug takes me out for breakfast. He's like, come on, let's go out for breakfast. I see God has given you some abilities. We're going to eat together, which I love to eat, so that's good. That's why I don't have my button top tied right now. I like to eat. So we go out together, and we're hanging out, and we're eating pancakes. And he says, come and teach at the men's Bible study. And I see some of my brothers from men's Bible study here this morning. That's been fun. And I got brought into that. And after the first month of me doing that, he calls a meeting. And he says, I'm out of here. The Lord is calling. Wow. Pastor Chuck has been ordered to stay far away from me. <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully so. We're trusting in the midst of transition. And I can look at this season in, with humor, right? Two and a half years of being here, I can look at this place with some humor and say, what's going, what's going on? You guys seem to not, I seem to say more goodbyes than hellos here. A lot of change coming. And I can say it with some humor and we can laugh together because it's a shared experience. But I know behind some of that laughter is some pain. There's been some tears. We have lost mentors. I know when Dave left, there were some young people who would come to our conference point ground every week. And they had lost their friend, their confidant, their leader. That was hard. And I know some of you lost your colleague. 
and your friend and your neighbor. And with Pastor Doug leaving, some have lost their mentor, the person they trusted in, the person that sat by their bedside when they were sick, the person that invited them over for a barbecue at Pastor's Patio. I never got to go to that, by the way. It can be scary. It can be scary. And that's why in your bulletin I wrote this this morning. Transition can be a scary thing. We often do not change unless it is more uncomfortable to remain the way it is. What happens when change is forced upon us? When change is forced upon you, where can you turn? Where can you turn? So when I was asked to speak about this, I thought of one passage. So turn to Mark chapter 4 with me. We'll be looking at that, this passage. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And it's a familiar passage. It's one that a lot of people know. It's one that's given me comfort through many changes in my life. And because it's a well-known passage, it's also a well-debated passage. But I'm going to focus on the things that we can agree on, some transcendent principles that we can apply in our Christian life as we go forward from this place. And we can agree on them together and look at them together this morning. So think on each point as we go through it. Point number one. Point number one. You may be following the will and command of God, and a storm may come. Let's read this together and see how this unfolds. Verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep in the cushion. And when they awoke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So point number one again. You may be following the very will and word and command of God and a storm may come. You might be asking yourselves, there's a storm that's come, there's a storm that they've entered into, there's a storm that they've floated along into. Does that mean they weren't following the will of God? They've met trouble right away. What does that mean? Well, I can read it right here in Matthew and in in the uh, cross-reference verses of Matthew 8 and in Luke 8, it tells me that what? They followed him into the boat. Mark here says they took him as he was. He was already in the boat. They walked in with him. He said, let's go over to the other side, and they did that. And they followed his command, it says in Luke. They were fully in the word and the will of God, and still a storm came. Now, that's a hard truth to digest. Because I've heard many times over the, my decades within the church that many good Hopeful people, people with good hearts and good intentions have come up to me and said, you know, if you've met some sort of conflict, if you, if you have a hurdle in front of you, 
You may want to stop and examine, are you really following the word of God? The command of God, are you really in his will? Shouldn't it be easier? Hmm. No, I would say the exact opposite. I would say that I understand that logic, but in reality, to follow the word and the will of God is to mean meeting obstruction, is to mean coming into conflict. This is a truth that we see even earlier on in Mark chapter 4 as he's given that great parable of the sower who's going and throwing the seeds out there and some fall into good soil and some into rocky soil and some get snatched away. And when he's explaining that parable, he says, don't you understand that those that where the word is sown, it is also often snatched away? It meets the devil right away. That he comes into conflict, he tries to repress it, he tries to put obstacles in the way. When we follow the will and command of God, we should not be surprised, we should expect that we are going to face trouble. A storm will come. Does it surprise us that right after Pastor Doug, the very week in which he is commissioned and leaves this place, that he gets a diagnosis, a health storm has arisen for him. Is he in the will of God? Don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. That is the reality that the following of the the call of God can often go hand in hand with facing adversity. So I ask right now, because I haven't asked it the last few times, but it's really been on my heart since I spoke the first time and definitely on the second time that I should be saying this. We need to be praying for Pastor Doug right now. We need to be praying for Dave Cousins right now. We need to be praying for Jeff Hendricks right now. We need to be praying for Pastor Mark right now because they are going to meet adversity because they are committed to following the call that God's been placed on their life. And you know what's amazing is Pastor Chuck reminded just two, just two weeks ago that the commissioning of Doug and Don is something we do to send them off on this, out of this place. But guess what? There's a calling on every one of our lives. Every one of our lives. And if we are willing to answer that call, even if it's to stay right here in Walworth County until the day we die, but to be faithful within that circumstance, you are going to meet obstruction. You are going to have storms arise. Expect it. Expect it. That leads us to the next part, which is is equally difficult to take in. But listen to this. Point two, the Christian life is not removed from struggle Pain or peril? This is a real challenge right here. They got into the boat and they met a real storm. They were in real jeopardy. How do I know that? Matthew tells us they were covered in waves. Is Joe here? Joe Kurtz? He liked this because this is a boat uh, reference right here. Being on the boat, he liked this. And real fishermen know real storms. And this was a real storm. It says in Mark, the waves beat into the boat. In Luke, it tells us they were in real jeopardy. We don't just face a storm that will soon pass. It might take your very life. And and this goes very counterculture to what we hear today, isn't it? Just down the road, I'm sure in many of the cities around us, people are hearing a message that if you follow Jesus Christ, you're going to be healthy, wealthy, wise, safe, and comfortable. That is not the gospel. 
And I will tell you that Jesus himself would fail that test because he chose a path that where he did not take any wealth. He had no comfort. He had no place to rest his head. And guess what? We're his followers. Should it surprise you that, that, that we are not removed from that? No, we walk right into it with him. Real peril, real pain. Point number three, and maybe the hardest point in the message, and I will tell you the message gets more hopeful. Bear with me. But this is something we have to absorb, digest together, because this is real. Point number three, our needs can experience the silence of God. Have you ever said the words that the disciples said in this way? Don't you hear me, God? Do you not care that we are perishing? Master, help us. Have you ever sat behind, beside the, the bed of a loved one who's perishing? Have you ever got the diagnosis yourself? Have you ever had your grandchildren move away to a foreign country? Have you ever lost your job when you didn't know how you were going to pay your bills and you say, Lord, I am perishing. Do you hear me? And the answer is the scariest answer of all. Silence. There's a great singer-songwriter who I love very much named Andrew Peterson, and he wrote a song called The Silence of God, and he calls this the holy, lonesome answer. The holy, lonesome answer. Silence. And in the mind and heart of God, there may be many reasons that your pleas seem to go unheard. In this circumstance, why did Jesus not answer? He was asleep. And a real simple reason why he was asleep, he was tired. That was the reason. There can be reasons that we don't know about why God isn't answered. In this case, it's because he made himself human. He poured himself out on a daily basis to minister to a world, to declare the kingdom to the world, to give himself to this world. And he was tired, so tired, in fact, that in the boat, he hit that cushion and he was out. And not the wind or the waves or the rain beating against the boat could wake him up. But here's the transcendent principle. Here is the thing that we can take out of that. Not that Jesus doesn't care, but that Jesus is fully at rest in the storm. And he models for us a way that we can relate. We can just fully rest next to him in the same pattern, knowing that we are not going through the storm alone. He's right next to us, modeling rest, modeling confidence. You know, Pastor Chuck also talked about in that commissioning and that calling and the sending forward that we should have full confidence in the sovereignty and power of God. And here it is personified in front of us through the person of Jesus Christ, asleep. That's not an inaction. That is action. That is modeling. That is what we are to do in the storm, to rest in him, to rest like him, knowing that he is fully capable of carrying us through. And this might be the most hopeful part of the message right here. Point number four. And this is one worth underlining. Maybe one to put in the margins of your Bible. Not because I said it, because it says it. He is in the boat. Isn't that the most beautiful thing? He's not only modeling rest. He's not only taking comfort in the midst of the storm. He's not only our calm in the storm. He's with us in the storm. He's in the boat. So when a diagnosis comes and it says cancer, he's in the boat. 
when it says we don't need you here anymore, you're, you no longer have a job, he's in the boat. When your heart is broken and you don't think you can take anymore, he's in the boat with you. He is not removed in our pain. Christian, you will go through pain. You will go through real peril. You will go through real suffering. That is true, but guess what? He is in the boat. He said, go over to the other side, but I'm going with you. He didn't send him through the storm just to see how that would go without him. He said, I'm going to go with you. Follow me over. He's in the boat. He's our confidence. He's our confidence amidst the calling. Everything changes, but he's our confidence. And this is a lesson on faith. That's the fifth point. This is a lesson on faith. What does he say? He says in Matthew, why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Mark 440, how is it that you have so little faith? Luke 825, where is your faith? You're not lost from view. You are not beyond my reach. I'm in the boat. I'm with you. Just as I was in the good times, just as you once when you had stability at the pulpit. Just as it was when you were on the mountaintop praising me, I'm there in the valley with you. I'm your confidence. You can have faith that I've not left you. I'm in the boat. So during this time of transition and trial, and guess what? We are far insulated from the scarier things that this world can throw at us. We cannot turn on the news and not see earthquakes and heartbreak and people being tortured for their faith, losing their lives for their faith. But do you know Jesus is just as much with them? He's just as much in their boat as he is in ours here at Calvary? He's just as much with us here and this subtle circumstance that can make the the future look murky to us? It's at least gray. I don't know what it's going to look like in the future. Everything changes. I'm reminded of that every day when I look in the mirror and I see how little hair's left on my head. I'm reminded of that every time I go to get my hair cut and I look at the floor and it's a lot more gray than it was before. I'm reminded of that every day as I get every day a little bit older, that everything changes. The thing about the Christian life that is not different from the non-Christian life is we are all amongst change. Nothing stays the same. You're not actually the same as you were when you came in here as you will when you leave biologically, scientifically. Everything changes. There's one constant in the Christian life, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. That is what sets us apart. That's what we hold on to. That's who is in the boat. He is our confidence in this storm. And so it doesn't surprise me that that's what the question is that the disciples answer with. Who is this? Who can this be? Who do we walk with? He reminds us. He reminded them. In his very action of calming the storm, he's reminding these fishermen, these people who are comfortable with the sea, exactly who he is. People who were confident and understood the Old Testament as as well as seeing that lived out in the person of Jesus Christ right now. Who is this in the boat? They might be thinking of Psalm 107, which tells me this. Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. Who is this? The Lord is in the boat. His great power 
He is God Almighty. And he tells us something else. This is actually also about faith in his power and faith in his authority. At the same time, in the same passage in Matthew, a little earlier on in the chapter, there's a well-known story about a soldier who comes up to Jesus and he says, I'm a man who gives orders. I understand orders. I give them and I take them. My daughter's sick. My child's sick. I need healing and I know you have the authority. If you just speak the words, she can be healed. You don't even have to leave where you're at right now. You can speak and it will be done. And what is Jesus' response to that? You understand. I have never seen such faith. We have faith in his power, faith in his authority. And do you see how he uses it? He puts them together. How does God choose to use all his power, his cosmic power, his divine power? How does he choose to put that to work for us? His divine authority That he can speak and it will be done. How does he put that to work for us? He humbles himself. And he speaks in Matthew chapter 11, one of my favorite passages that I've been dwelling on. If you hung out for me for the last few months, I've been just absorbing this passage. I've just been bathed in this passage. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am lowly in spirit. Take upon me my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that beautiful? All his authority, all his power, and he's going to use it to care for you. Who is in the boat? A God of all power, all authority, all love. And he's putting it to work for you. He is in the boat. And I can't leave without asking to make sure that you know that you do not have to go through this life alone. The guarantee of the Christian life is not comfort. It's not safety. It's not protection. It's not always uh, safety in numbers even. You can be a very lonely person living the Christian life. You can be the only person who wants to honor and follow Jesus Christ, but he's with you. The promise is you're not going through any of it alone. None of it. He's walking with you. That yoke, it's like, let's come together. I'm going to walk next to you for your entire life, forever. Are you in his boat? Is he in yours? Here's the beauty of that passage. He says, come to me all, all, all. That's everyone in this room. No one's excluded from that invitation. I'm willing to take on the burden of everyone. All your brokenness, all your hurt. I've come down from heaven. I've humbled myself. Being in the form of God, I've made myself in the form of man to come and be within your mess, to be within your storm, to be in the boat with you. All of it. I will give you rest. Rest with me here. Even in the midst of storm, even in the midst of transition, I will give you rest. Do not leave here, brother, do not leave here, sister, without knowing that truth. You know, why does Calvary exist? We have a slogan, we have a saying. Do you know it? We lead and connect people to someone. Who is that? Jesus Christ. 
It's not to Pastor Doug, we love him and we will miss him. It's not to Dave Cousins, we love him and we will miss him. It's not to Jeff Hendricks, we love him and we will miss him. It's not to Pastor Mark, we love him and we will miss him. All things are going to change. Jesus is who we are connecting people with. It's not Christian, it's not Pastor Chuck, it's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who is the unchanging force in the Christian life. And he's in the boat. And he invites an invitation for you to join him. Don't leave here without him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do worship you. I do thank you for your goodness that while you have power to do all things and could have handled these things in many ways that you chose to put your full power, your full authority to work in the love the love offering of your son, Jesus Christ. And it's available for all who want it, for all who desire it this morning, that they do not have to walk through this life alone, that Jesus desires relationship with each one here. And he has made himself available. Even in the silence, even in the pain, he is modeling rest for us. He is our calm in the storm. He is our rock. He is our shield. He is our salvation. I love how it says in Psalms, he's our ever-present help in trouble, in our challenges, in our scary transitions. God, we turn to you. There is nowhere else to turn. Would you convict us of that? Would you give us joy and comfort and confidence in that as we go from this place? In Jesus' name, amen.